how young and up to how old? We take it from 12 years and above. 12 years and above because uh, we believe that's a vulnerable age where a child is uh, thinking of whether I'm going to be in school or I'm dropping out or I have a little breast here, I have some little pubic hair there, I have to start utilizing it. I was laughing just a few moments ago because you were talking about, you know, uh, being 12 years old saying, oh, I have some breasts and, or I have pubic hair. And listen, let me tell you something for, for those listeners and viewers right now. Mama Neca is not afraid to go there with these kids. These little babies ain't thinking about this stuff like that. And Mama Neca had them playing games where, th where their bodies was touching up on each other. I was just like, what in the world is this? You're listening to The Leader's Lab with Dr. Charity TV. Welcome to The Leader's Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build, organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. Hey, 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 Entre Leaders. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the 38th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. Today we are back in the beautiful, well, actually I can say back on, on the beautiful continent of Africa. Last For the last two weeks, we've been talking with an international uh, NGO by the name of the Kesho Fund. And this week we are going to the beautiful country of Ghana. And uh, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to introduce you to NECA Youth Foundation, a foundation that I actually worked with through the Kingdom Mission, TKM. And without further ado, I want you all to say hello to, we call her Mama NECA, <laughs> dear Auntie, to, uh, Auntie Cecilia. Hello and welcome to the Leaders Lab, Mama NECA. Thank you, Dr. Charity for this opportunity. I'm more than excited and I'm so elated this Wednesday morning for this great opportunity. <laughs> Let me just tell you all, Mama Neka is one of the most, she is just such a, she's such a wonderful soul, okay? She is such a wonderful person to be around and uh, she does so much in the community and we're going to we're going to chat a little bit about uh, NECA Youth Foundation and what they're doing. Um, but just to tell you, give you a little bit of background about them, NECA Youth Foundation was established in 2012 with 500 children from 10 communities, and now has reached over 27,000 children across 19 districts in four regions in Ghana. This woman has been on the move and has been doing amazing things right there in Ghana. And uh, Mama Neka, I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because I want you to share with us like the purpose of, of NECA, NECA Youth Foundation. So what has the overall purpose of the organization been? Thank you, Dr. Charity. NECA Youth Foundation came into being to really give livelihood to children who are from deprived and underserved communities to really uh, let them believe in themselves, to know that they can come from such communities, but can still be assets to themselves and to their communities and the world at large. Uh, instead of settling for uh, teenage pregnancy, drug abuse, school dropout, we really want to give them that believing that yes, they are human beings just like anybody else. We know that they have the potential but that's uh, they lack uh, the opportunity. So mm. our mission is to really try to really get them to a stage where they can become world changers. Yes, that is basically what the purpose of Maker Youth Foundation has been from the very onset. And uh, uh, going forth from there, we include also the, if we say youth, you know, it can be young, it can be, 
uh, you know, coming up, growing up, youth, women, young women, girls out of school, trying to give them hope to bring them back into the fold of making um, uh, strides in society. All right, excellent. Now, Mama Neka, um, I, I first have a question for you before we go further into this. Can you please tell me what does Neka mean? How did you come up with this name, Neka Youth Foundation? Like, what what does the name Neka mean? <laughs> Neka means mother is supreme. It's an able language. Uh, uh, many people question me whether I, I'm a Nigerian or not. I'm really a Ghanaian. But uh, I read uh, Things Fall Apart from uh, uh, Chinua Achibe, one of uh, the African writer series. And um, there was this uh, character in that suffered so much called Okonku, was sent into exile. Uh, he decided to go to his motherland. And when he got there, uh, he was received and life best fought for him. And he exclaimed, Neka, meaning mother is supreme. The children we are working with or we decided to work with Frankly, our children that are from challenged backgrounds, majority of the times, uh, they are given birth to by teen mothers. Over 60% of such children are given birth to by teen mothers. So they are children that are mothered by children. And they end up being with their grandmothers, their aunties, whilst their mothers come to the city and other places seeking greener pastures that do not exist. So you can imagine how much they go through. So whilst we bring these children to our fold, we mother them. We, we make them feel at home. We don't keep them 24-7, but our encounter with them alone is enough, a big uh, uh, opportunity for them to really feel loved. And uh, from my own background, I know what, what mother means to me. What I have to go through growing up in such conditions, challenged conditions, and uh, I have not become a burden on society. I feel strongly bringing these children also, uh, giving them the kind of mindset some of us had will be a great thing. And uh, I have a mother who has been everything to six of us single-handedly. So when I put wow. all this together, I said, look, the name cannot be anything other than Neka, meaning mother <laughs> is supreme. I remember, uh, I remember when... Uh, it it, it's called, I guess it's called the NECA chant. But after uh, after we would do our presentations or after we would speak to the kids, you would come up and have them to do the chant with the clapping hand. They were like, NECA, NECA. Let me do it for you. NECA, NECA, Mother Supreme. <laughs> yes, you remember. <laughs> I remembered it. Because and you see how it catches up with them. <laughs> absolutely, and the kids love it. But then, what got me was um, when you changed when you changed it from saying Neca to the person who was speaking. So when Karen would speak, you would have them say Karen. When Troy would speak, <laughs> you would say Troy, and then. It yes, was funny because yes. at first they were trying to say Dr. Charity and it was too many syllables. So they just said Charity. <laughs> Charity. I remember. Charity Supreme. Supreme. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, um, and, and so your name is um, Cecilia. Of course, people call you Auntie Cecilia, but most people know you as Mama Neca. Most people exactly. know, you, know you as Mama Neca. So, Mama Neka, can you please tell us what has Neka Youth Foundation accomplished since since you founded it in 2012? So now here we are, 2021. From 2012 to 2021, I know it's been so many things, but what has Neka uh, accomplished in that time? Yeah, uh, when we started this uh, uh, program in 2012. Uh, 15 schools had 0% score in their basic school examination results. And uh, we, we realized it, it was too much. It was so heartbreaking. So we decided to see how we can collaborate with education to see how uh, children can pass, keep them in school. Uh, we have been able to work with education. And uh, as I said in my intro, that uh, we want to give a mindset to these children. Apparently, not that they cannot, they can, but they need that propping up. 
and uh, frankly speaking, when we started working with education in the communities, uh, we, 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 we step our feet, uh, we changed that uh, uh, situation where now we don't have any best 0% uh, score in the schools we work in. We don't teach them mathematics. We don't think, uh, teach them English, but we make them know the need of learning. We make them believe in themselves. We make them to be bold, to be able to approach situations as it's supposed to be. We make them believe to say no to what uh, they are not supposed to accept. And uh, it has really helped. And uh, I tell you honestly, the directors of education, the people who work with in education, are uh, all uh, testifying to the fact that at least uh, we've made a change in that aspect. Also, the number of girls that drop out of school had come down, you know, drastically. Uh, and uh, the boys that will settle for marijuana, that will cause them to be out of school, uh, has also really re reduced drastically. And I tell you honestly, it's a big thing. We also realize that the girls that have dropped out of school, if I say true, no false of this, I mean it because of poverty. The cycle that is leading them, what is pushing them into settling for just peanuts to just uh, give themselves out to men to abuse them and impregnate them and drop them, at least. Um, we, we, we couldn't just leave them there. We started finding out how many of them we could reintegrate into school. And uh, we've done a number of them also back into school. And uh, especially those whom we can get somebody to, through advocacy, take care of their children. And those who cannot come back to school for one reason or the other, we have started giving them basic vocational entrepreneurial skills. Okay, and, uh, and we give them psychosocial support as well to know that life has not come to an end, you know, with their uh, not being able to continue their education. So basically, that's the kind of thing we have done so far. And uh, we have done a lot of community engagements, community engagements in the sense that we bring in all stakeholders. That's education, every local government authority, um, uh, parents, teachers, chiefs, queen mothers. We bring them together in a forum, including the children we call um, uh, community engagement, where we are able to hear the issues from the children, what their challenges are, parents, their challenges, and see how we all can collaborate to uh, keep these children in school and keep them on track so that they don't become burden on society. That is, it's a beautiful work that you are doing there. In, uh, in, in now, not just, not just Accra, right? It's not just Accra. Um, cause Accra, I, I, we just I, have I a little space of Accra. Accra is just little. We have just a few communities in Accra. We are really in the hinterlands. In the villages actually you mentioned earlier that we are in a 30 we are in over 30 communities now we are still in four regions yes we reached over 36,000 now i think we still were we're still working on the previous uh, uh records <laughs> okay wow <laughs> that's wow that's powerful mama neka so with um you you've you've told us about some of the impact that you've had um, community-wise. Could you share one to uh, maybe one to two stories about individual students whose lives have been changed because of your organization? Yes. Uh, some of them, maybe I may share videos with you later for you to see if you could even show uh, little documentaries and all that. Some of them could not just go to school uh, even though they are willing to go to school. We saw some of them through uh, even basic education, through secondary school, and some are in the universities now. Wow. They are in the universities now. Even one had even completed. And that can never have happened in their lifetimes. And uh, we really empower them. We do a lot of advocacy to see how we can get their children taken care of, okay, so that they could go to school or learn a trade. Uh, there are young women who have learned a trade. They have two or three children with multiple fathers that we've really empowered, you know, through our vocational skills and their psychosocial uh, support. And they are now on their feet working to take care of themselves. And uh, these are the kind of things that really give us the uh, encouragement. 
uh, or, or g give us motivation because our impact is very tangible and our impact is very visible. And uh, if you want me to give thousands of uh, examples, I have them there. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if we will have time for the thousands. <laughs> At this time, at this time, but definitely. And um, Dr. Charity, remember, Dr. Charity, remember, you have been part of this journey as well. You encountered the foundation not long, for a very short time, but you were caught up. You went there even to the bedroom of one child and you saw yes. the situation and you could tell that yeah. story, not me at this stage. Okay, so you can imagine she wouldn't have been in school without you. And that is why we need people like you to come and see and see and see what they can do in the life of one child. Yes, one child at a time. And that's what we are looking for. And, you know, I, I find it very interesting that um, I, I came with with uh, TKM, with Elder Karen and Elder Troy um, and their organization. I came with them in um, January last year, uh, 2020. And uh, we came right at the beginning of COVID. And so we were able to be there to be on the ground, you know, to experience um, what you are doing there in the communities. We went to visit many of the schools and um, was even able to serve the community. Um, it was, it was life-changing for me. It was absolutely life-changing for me. And my question is, has COVID had a negative impact on the way that NECA Youth Foundation has been able to um, be managed or, or to continuous usual operations during this pandemic? Or has it been not you know not a factor not a negative impact that's a big one let me ask you this question dr charity you were supposed to have come back in january this year were you able to come back here to pick I another child you were I not able not. to come dkm could not come back because they would have come back this year but where are they and they have so many of these children they support as well assuming every year they come they add on are you with me they pick more children but their yeah. inability to come due to COVID alone in that aspect has really affected us greatly. Then also, wow. uh, programs, you know, we have big programs, having over 3,000 children in program every year. COVID period, we could not do our convergence. The children could not travel from all over the four regions to one space. Uh, space. We have to move. Even the COVID, despite the COVID, we couldn't just leave our children who were always waiting or are still waiting for us to be with them. So we had something we call satellite camps. We moved mm. to various communities, but we could not cover all the four regions with all the over 300 communities. We couldn't do that. So we were able to at least pitch camp in some of the communities and still have program with the children. And uh, those who support our program we depend on donors because the end users of our uh, services are from backgrounds that they themselves can never in any way pay for the services we render. So we depend on charity, you, like you, <laughs> that's a charity. We depend on charity. We depend on donors. We depend on support to do our work. And I tell you honestly, COVID has really broken our fronts in the fact in the sense that, yeah, many people's businesses, uh, who would use their social uh, interventions uh -huh. to support are not doing well. And for that matter, they are not able to come to our aid as is expected. And it's really affecting a lot of our work. And um, it, it has a lot of negative impact on our work, I tell you honestly. So you said that um, because of COVID, the students couldn't come to your, your I think, the convergence? Yeah, the center, yeah. yes. Okay. As we would always do, as they would all expect, as all volunteers and all of us enjoy to have during uh, a period. We couldn't do that during the COVID period last year. Uh, that's the uh, last year, I guess, which we normally meet uh, because of long vacation. And mm. uh, this year, okay, so what we did was that we had to really move from community to community ah. to set up Yes, to set up uh, satellite centers, satellite camps, we call them, not satellites or, or virtual, we call it virtual, but not purely virtual, 
assuming you were a facilitator in the US or China, we will have to link up with you to be able to link up with the children during camp instead of yeah. being there personally with them. And uh, uh, we, we couldn't call it fully virtual because some of the facilitators were still around to meet the numbers that are in small, smaller numbers as compared to thousands of children at one sitting. And uh, you can imagine what that meant to us. Cost, movement of logistics and uh, human being uh, looking for places to uh, uh, stay, to have a camp, all were against us. And uh, I also went ahead to say that uh, people who support these uh, programs are not able to do very well this uh, time round or the, during the COVID period because their businesses have gone down and you know they use their social intervention to support us in one way or the other just because the end users you've seen them all the end users of our products or end users of our services are not in any way able to pay for them you know when you talk about the camp maybe in your circles it's like the children their parents will have to pay for their children to spend a week or two in a camp but here you bring them in, you feed them, you provide their uh, security, their first aid, their inputs for a whole camp without charging the children. Because if you want them to pay anything little, it means you're not going to be having anybody in your camp. And uh, not that they don't appreciate it, not that they don't know it's necessary for them to come, but their ability to be able to do that because of the background we pulled them from. Yeah, from the, you saw, you saw some, you saw the village, <laughs> you saw the communities. Nothing is going on there. But one good thing for us is that we are trying to change the mindset of these children to know that they can come from these places, but they will be able to make it and do better for their children tomorrow. And if they should hear of a camp, they will be able to sit up and be able to pay because they would have been working because they will be in school and they'll come up better yes yeah. and that is why uh, it's necessary we, we 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 despite the the covid we say that yes we are still uh, having our heads up it's not easy yeah. it has affected us big time yeah mamaneka what um so so since students or since the children ha weren't able to come to uh, to the convergence center, you said that you all went to them um, and you were having satellite, uh, uh, I guess, satellite services, satellite centers. My question is, with these um, virtual, were you taking your own like technology or were you like, was it any technology involved? Were you going, you know, with your own computers and having children to work with those? Like, and, and also, how is that provided for you like how is it from donors is it from uh how how does that work because that's not something that i actually am aware of and and many of our listeners today or those who may be watching on youtube they may have the same question so how did that work like you know you and your team did you go and take technology with you and stayed with the children throughout that session or could could you could you explain that a little bit for us please yes yes dr charity we did before uh, that camp, that was last year though, uh, before the camp, we saw that uh, we couldn't do anything without technology. So we had to fall on people to see if they could support us. Unfortunately, we call for computers, we call for routers, we call for data, we call for cable, we call for uh, uh, gensets because some of the villages don't have electricity uh, per se. So we did all these things thinking we were going to get people to support us. It came to naught. So we had to resort to uh, calling on all our volunteers. Can you can we borrow your laptop? Can, can you borrow us a projector? Can you do this? Can, you, can we borrow? And that's the kind of thing we did, which was very uncomfortable. Some we damaged because of movement. Some we really spoiled and we are now even thinking about how we can pay for them. So, so how, how did that work? How did the satellite uh, sessions work? I said, well, we knew that we were going to do this virtual thing and we didn't have the uh, facilities. We fell on organizations, individuals. And uh, unfortunately, I, I, I want to believe that the COVID had really uh, 
made them not to respond to our call. So what we resorted to do was to borrow. We used all the volunteers. We borrowed their laptops. Uh, we had to really borrow um, routers. Uh, uh, re, uh, how do you call it? Uh, projectors to be able to go along to the communities. We did most of our work pre-recorded. Like uh, facilitators who have to really pre-record some of their uh, lessons for us to be able to project. And then some of the places we had a lot of challenges because of network connectivity. So we still have to bring a few numbers of children together anyway to project the lessons to them because they themselves are not technologically inclined and they don't have the gadgets. Yeah. So we definitely have to do some little uh, groupings to be able to teach them. It was very tedious because we had to move around with logistics and everything. You can imagine, very tiring. And it could only take dedicated uh, volunteers to do such a thing. So that's how it went for us last year. But this year, now that the COVID had eased a bit, uh, what we did was that instead of over 3,000 children in camp uh, for the period, we had just uh, close to 2,000 children, about 9,000. 1,900 plus children this year, just this past June. Uh, because of the COVID-19, normally our vacations would have been on, a, uh, would have come on in uh, August. A long vacation would have come on in August for all schools, that is all basic schools. But this year, what we experienced was that the academic calendar had changed from uh, August to June. And it was... Mm only uh, uh, junior high students that could be on vacation at that time. So instead of having both junior and senior and basic our primary schools being on vacation, where well, we could pick 12 years and above from even the primary schools, we couldn't do it this time because the primary schools were still on, uh, were still in school. It was only the uh, junior highs that were on vacation. So that was another challenge. So this year we cut off um, uh, the primary school children who, you know, are 12 years and above. Yes, 12 years and above because they go to school late in some of the communities because of the conditions mm -hmm. that exist over there. So we still have 12 years and above in primary school in Ghana. Yeah, so these are some of the challenges we face because of COVID-19. Wow. Now, what are the, because uh, you mentioned primary school students, what are the ages that NECA Youth Foundation service? How young and up to how old? We take it from 12 years and above. 12 years and above because uh, we believe that's a vulnerable age where a child is uh, thinking of whether I'm going to be in school or I'm dropping out or I have a little breast here, I have some little pubic hair there, I have to start utilizing it. Yeah, <laughs> so we call it the vulnerable age, and that is where we uh, decide to work with. But our work has spanned uh, beyond that. Beyond that, because when it becomes necessary, we go below that age, depending upon the kind of programs we want to run. And when it becomes necessary, we go above to the university and uh, senior high school levels, depending upon the programs we want to have. But our main focus area is 12 years and above in junior high school. Yes. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was laughing just a few moments ago because you were talking about, you know, uh, being 12 years old saying, oh, I have some breasts and, or I have pubic hair. And listen, let me tell you something for, for those listeners and viewers right now. Mama Neca is not afraid to go there with these kids. I and and I mean I was caught off guard. I was like, "Oh, she is real raw with these kids." Like, but I mean, that's that's what's needed in these you know in these communities. But y'all, I was like, "Mama Neka is talking to these kids, like you know, talk, making sure that they." And that's the thing; like, they're already aware of their body parts. But but I I like 
I like the directness that that you have with them in in teaching them how they should see themselves and not, you know, start at an early age with uh, with sexual immorality or, you know, giving themselves away at such an early age. I mean, but I'm gonna tell you, it caught me off guard. I was like, these little babies ain't thinking about this stuff like that. And Mama Nika had them playing games where th where their bodies was touching up on each other. I was just like, what in the world is this? W why is that so necessary? What what made you start having these types of of interactions with the kids and being so direct with them at this young age? I mean, it's it's obviously it's helping, but what made you say? Oh, I need to get him and get her right now because they're feeling themselves. They're seeing their little body parts. And so what, why and why? <laughs> so direct. Dr. Charity, it's so pathetic. Sometimes I say this with tears. When I went to education directorates to pick statistics for the first time, which really drove me into this craziness of NECA Youth Foundation. Basic school, I took statistics and uh, 3,200 youth that were enrolled into junior high school. By the time they finished their uh, junior high school to be getting ready to secondary school, a third had dropped out of school. 1,142 children had dropped out of school. I call it children because 12-year-olds uh, uh, were getting pregnant. Yes. And uh, what drove me was that you know, you came to my village, you came to the community where you work in some of the schools. I stood up on my corridor one morning and I could count five girls who were carrying their babies. And I was tempted to ask whether they were carrying their siblings or they were carrying their babies. And it came to light that they were all carrying their babies. They didn't come as a group. They were passing one after the other. Two were supposed to have been in class six. Two were supposed to have been in junior high form one. That is a, a seven, grade seven, if I should say, and one in eight. One morning, I said this with tears sometimes in my eyes. And that was what made me to run to the director of education of the municipality at the time to find out to get these statistics. And I ran to help to confirm as to what the percentage of the dropouts uh, was uh, when we talk about... Uh, drug abuse and teenage pregnancy and it could it could be confirmed that about 84.5 percent of such numbers were as a result of these vices yes wow. so the rest as a movement from community to community the rest as health or the rest as death or something but this number and the, the i remember the director of uh, health at the time said this is a verifiable number so what about the number that is not verified? You, you get what I'm saying? So there's no other way I could handle this but to let them know that, yes, you are sexually active, even at age 12. Okay? If a third could drop out of school in an academic year in the whole municipality, it's not something we should trivialize. And that is why I have to go direct. We have to get people with the same mindset that can work with us with the same kind of feeling you know, passion to be able to go to them, to tell them that, hey, child, you have a future. You have a tomorrow. Despite the challenges that I have gone through, I've gone through the same challenges, but I've been able to go above them. So why would we have to play with the words? We have to let them know. At a point in time, some of the parents, you know, that were interviewed, they felt we are giving too much to their children. Why are you exposing our children? And we say, hey, guys, your children know more than you do. Because we have psychologists. <laughs> yes, we have psychologists and counselors among us as volunteers. Let me tell you the truth. Dr. Charity, we don't move. Just we have health workers, we have psychologists, we have professors of the universities and from education. We work with people like that. They feel we've given them the, the platform to reach out. Okay, so they move. So they are able to find out what these children know that their parents and their teachers don't know. Okay, so we are guided by such to be able to move according to what you observe when you came to Ghana. 
Yes, and, and that resonates very well with the children. You see them laughing. You see them sometimes feeling like they are feeling shy, but they go away, you know, uh, uh, fulfilled, and they go away with knowledge to be able to say no, back up to the man yeah. walk to them and say yes, take five Ghana cities or two Ghana cities and have sex with me so that you can use it to buy your sanitary pad. No. They'll be able to say, no, back off. I can't do that. And we can't get all of them to do that because the poverty still, you know, uh, is working against them because they can't provide for their basic things, which really cause their mothers to drop out of school at the same age. Yeah. Okay. So we, we are basically trying to break the cycle where my age mates now have her great grandchild, whilst I am not having my first grandchild. So you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. So we are trying hard to really change that mindset so that the cycle is broken. So we have nothing else to do but to go direct as you observe. Listen, that you need to be talking to direct to some of these older ones because <laughs> the less. Listen, if I tell y'all how Mama Neka goes in with these little 12 years old, y'all be thinking that she's talking to somebody that's 18, 19, 20, 21. And they just sit and they absorb what she's saying. But that, you know, I remember, I remember when we were, um, when we were at, um, uh, when we were, I believe it was your center and you were telling us about, uh, no, I, I think it was, uh, we were at dinner at your home and you were telling us about how, um, how, men grown behind men behind is the is the politest way that I could say but grown men would uh address these or or um yeah I guess I could say address these young girls and uh by saying you know uh hey uh, if you do this sexual favor for me, then I will uh I will give you you know this amount of money so that you can buy your your uh, basic needs. And I mean, it was just like, really? Really? Yes. And the fact that, that mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, like you were sharing with us, many of them feel like they have no other way. They have no other means to be able to provide for their basic needs. So when, you know, I understood the, the, the overall mission and the purpose of NECA Youth Foundation and what you have been doing uh, with these young people. I mean, honestly, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to hear some of the things that have happened. And then also um, it was encouraging to see how these young people are really taking advantage um, of, of the opportunity to learn and to, and to, you know, spend time with you in, in this community and these, in this organization. So what are, um, Here's a question. What are what are some of the goals that NECA Youth Foundation has for this year? Now, 2021 is almost over. You know, we have about three and a half, a little less than three and a half months left in 2021. So what are some of the goals that NECA Youth Foundation has uh, planned for the rest of this year? Uh, normally, what happens is that we set our goals at the beginning of the year to reach uh, either horizontally or vertically. Uh, numbers that we want to work with or communities we want to work with. Uh, for now, I should say that uh, uh, we have really gone far into the year and majority of them have been covered. We try to set uh, achievable goals, to be frank with you, which we work with. And this year, we're having left with just uh, let's say three months to go. Our mega goal is to reach out to over 3,000 uh, of our children that we work with throughout the year to be able to have a uh, normal uh, celebration with them we call Christmas party. That one is just mm -hmm. a day program with whichever community we set our foot in. We make sure that we fetch with them, we interact with them, we cook for them, we give them clothing, we give them school input, all these numbers. Every child comes in and goes back with smile so that at least they will not know that or they will not feel that we only come to 
teach them, hey, hey, do this, do that, do that, and be fine. And no, we want to make them feel very important. So that's the biggest goal we still have left to carry, especially uh, as far as the children are concerned. And uh, we still are working on the communities that parents, you know, when we work with the children and we don't get the parents uh, buy-in, it becomes very difficult for us. So uh, we are on uh, the journey. As I told you, I'm even going back today. Uh, we have reached out to over 19 communities already. And uh, some of the things that the children came up with this year, which really made us uh, uh, want to concentrate so much from now till the Christmas period on the parents is that uh, most of them are suffering because there's so much violence, gender-based uh, violence in their homes, uh, uh, you know, physically and um, and uh, uh, mentally, what they go through. And I don't know whether the uh, COVID-19 had really entrenched this, you know, for what the children are going through. So we decided to really leave the children a bit, not to leave them fully. We are still working with them anyway, but we are concentrating so much on the communities. You know, if you see my head, I had a cut here just about four weeks ago, just because I was trying to separate, um, yes, to separate a violent uh, attack on a wife by a man. I thought I was strong enough. You know, I think I shared a post on that. And uh, we ended up in the police station and all that. And uh, for that matter, the children in that relationship, you can imagine what they, they, they have been going through. So we put it on wow. ourselves to go around. So uh, for the past four weeks, we've been on the ground and uh, we've done uh, 20 communities so far bringing the community leaders, bringing all stakeholders together to tell them about the importance of uh, thinking about these children that they call this uh, before they take any action. And uh, abusive relationships will not help. Uh, to, it will not bring development. It will not bring peace because if you end up sleeping in the uh, hospital or sleeping in a police station, you are affecting your children, you are affecting every society. So we are on that. So major goal we have till the end of the year is this community engagement and stakeholder engagement. And uh, when it becomes necessary, some of them, we are giving them basic business skills, something that you can train them in doing, like maybe ice cream, little soap making. Within three, four hours, they get it and you move on so that they don't, they don't become liability to their spouses to the point where they will be abused. Yes. So this is a major goal we are working on for this year. I think maybe we'll have to share the uh, subsequent goals next year. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course, and we would love to have you back on the on the Leaders Live podcast again next year, so you could tell us some of the initiatives for next year. Um, so, and Mama Neck, I know that that time is winding, and you have uh, you have work to do. It is about what maybe eleven thirty, almost eleven thirty a.m. there, Ghana time um, at the moment. So. Um, now I just, in, in, in wrapping it up, obviously monetary don donations are ideal, you know, however, in the event that a donor would like to contribute in some other way, how can donors help other than making financial contributions to the NECA Youth Foundation? Like how can someone, uh, be involved and, and help NECA Youth Foundation to make the community impact that, you know, that you really desire? Um, what happens is that we don't have um, a, a big staff to work with. We are just about five permanent staff working. And uh, our, our volunteers are over 90, there are about 91 volunteers that we work with everywhere. Uh, people come from outside to volunteer with us three months, from the US, from Germany, from all over to work with us for one year and move around with us at least so that at least whatever expertise they have, they bring on board. We chart our own path and uh, we move as we are exposed to challenges and uh, we, we turn them into opportunity to reach out. So yes, if you are out there and you are not in Ghana, even in Ghana, if you are out there and uh, you want to join us, Dr. Charity, you were here, you move around, right? Yes. <laughs> You move around with us. So that's the kind of thing we do. So as we know the terrain and we have volunteers, they can move along with us while some are here, others are here because we are in a vast area we are working in. So yes, 
we need volunteers on ground. You know your background, what you can bring on board. When we find out and it helps, we, we will be willing to have you round, around here to, to support us. Yeah. And financially, and, you know. Of course. And financially, <laughs> of course, financially you know. <laughs> that would be, of course, that would be ideal, especially when it comes to uh, um, trying to provide for, for, you know, the children in the community and things like that. But also listen, if you are a, um, if you are a tech company, if you are, you have computers, you have things like that, donating technology is also, I mean, that is sometimes that's even more powerful than donating money because it costs a lot. So if you have, uh, any type of tech gear, you know, that would be amazing to be able to donate. But first of all, we need to know how to get in touch with NECA Youth Foundation. So Mama NECA, how can do uh, donors and potential partners connect with NECA Youth Foundation? We are on our uh, website, uh, Facebook, and uh, I am so much on WhatsApp because I'm not technologically inclined so much like you. That is why I want to give it to the children so that they wouldn't grow up to become like me. <laughs> yes, so you can reach out on our social media handles as well. I'll, I'll put all of them out there and uh, you can yes. show it to our viewers. Yes. And yes. uh, so yeah. you can you can check in uh, the show notes and also in the description box under the video for uh, NECA Youth Foundation's website and also their Facebook page and their YouTube channel as well because they have things that they produce on their YouTube channel too. Uh, Mama NECA, Auntie Cecilia, I before want to say- you, before, you, before you say bye-bye to me, let me, <laughs> let me come in. You help me right now with talking about technology. It's because you have come down and you've seen what we do. Technology yes. is key. And uh, I tell you honestly, uh, whatever we do, if you give us the money, we'll use it to get our input. So us, you link up with us in terms of support, and you have school bags, school inputs, uh, bicycles, things like that for children who are in uh, deprived communities. So uh, you can support us with such. And uh, Christmas is coming, as I mentioned. Can you hear me? And uh, I mentioned that our mega Christmas party is coming on soon. And these are children that don't have a bottle of, um, how do I put it? A bottle of uh, soda to drink throughout the year. For you to even come on board to provide a bottle of soda to a child on Christmas, it's a big thing. We give them clothing, shoes, school input, food. We cook and we give them fresh food as well. So if you are hearing us today, remember December is around the corner, which is 26th every year since 20, 2012. Every year we move to one district, every year to fetch the children. And uh, this year we are going to be in whole West, in the Volta region, to fetch over 3,000 children. So please, Box the items and send them to us right now in Ghana. Don't throw anything away. We need all of them. And uh, the children will be happy. Wow. There you have it. This is Mama Neka with Neka Youth Foundation in Ghana. Uh, I don't want to just limit it to say in Accra, Ghana. But, but uh, she's, she's doing major things all over. And she's making such a wonderful, wonderful impact in that community there. Uh, Mama Neka, I, I definitely want to say thank you so much. I can't wait to get back again. Uh, that time with TKM was just, like I said, it was life-changing. And, you know, I, I have a special um, investment there. My journalist, uh, my little journalist, uh, I, I keep tabs on her to make sure she's doing well, to make sure she's doing well. Um, she's and doing please, very well. Good. I'm so proud of her. I'm so, so proud of her. Make sure you tell her that I asked about her and, uh, who knows, maybe, maybe you can get her to, uh, to come to your home and, and she can be on the leaders lab podcast with me, my little, my future journalist there. <laughs> you know what I'm going to promise when I get to the village, I'll see if I can get connectivity maybe tomorrow in the afternoon, 
if I get connectivity, I'll link you up. And I, I promise you see her face and you can hear her mm. voice. She's so Thanks. proud of you. Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of her. She's doing, oh my goodness. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. Actually, if, if you, um, if any of you follow my travel, my travel brand, which is Doctora the Explorer, uh, I, I did a video, um, of my time in Ghana and, and what, uh, Mama Neko was saying how we went to uh, a village and we saw the living conditions of one of the students there. That was my journalist. That's Jennifer. And so um, I actually have footage of that and what that was like. But I'm, I'm so proud of her because against all of the adversity that she's facing, she's still very determined to to reach her goal and and, and become a journalist like this is. It's very moving. It's very touching. And so I'm, I'm just so proud of her. Um, but again, I wouldn't have met her without you. And I wouldn't have met you without TKM. So the work that you all are doing, um, it's just this is what real global influence is like. You know, this is what real global influence is about. It's not just about being, you know, an influencer on social media, have, showing off luxurious things. No, it's about making legacy. That, those type of legacy uh, impacts. And so I just want to say thank you for what you are doing. And listen, potential donors, listeners, audiences, um, if you are interested in partnering with NECA Youth Foundation, as I am a partner of NECA Youth Foundation, uh, you can find the information down below in the show notes and also in the description box. Mama Neka, thank you so much for joining us for this 38th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. And uh, I hope that you have a wonderful day as you continue to move about with all of your activities that you have scheduled for today. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Charity Campbell, for this opportunity to really interact with you and interact with the whole world. Thank you. You are doing a great job. And I really appreciate your partnership with NECA Youth Foundation. Thank you. You, it's my pleasure. God bless. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for rocking with us on this 38th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. And I'll see you guys next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com. And follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.